welcome to the She Research Podcast. I'm your host, Kate McKay, and I'm joined today by Paul McNeil. Hi, Paul. Hello. How are you? I'm very well. Good. We're here today to talk about your paper, which is called A Professionalism Program in Medical Education and Training from Broad Values to Specific Applications, the YLL Medical School in Singapore. Correct. And the YLL stands for Yong Lu Lin. Ah, thank which you. Which is the uh, name, the school was named after one of their benefactors. What is this paper about? Well, essentially, it's a, it's a program on teaching professionalism to medical students. It came about as an extensive program within the context of teaching ethics and law to medical students through the Ethics Centre at that medical school. Um, and the, the, the centre was running a program called Health Ethics, Law and Professionalism, but the professionalism had not been dealt with. Okay. So the program that you developed was to fill in that gap? Well, the program I developed was to teach professionalism, but I also happened to come from a from many years of teaching ethics. I actually believe that teaching ethics and law within the umbrella of professionalism is much more effective pedagogically. Not, not theoretically, but pedagogically it works. The students relate to the concept of professionalism mm. more easily than they relate to ethics. They do relate to law, but that's only because they're scared of the law. <laughs> I wanted something, a, a concept in there that they could treat as an, as an aim. What am I aiming for in being a medical student or a medical practitioner? And my proposition is that we should aim to be a very good professional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what were the motivations for writing up this paper? Well, the, the write-up was to document what we had done at um, the National University of Singapore in the medical school in teaching professionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, so document it and have it out there because I think it was unique. our approach was unique. But um, I had a broader aim. You may be aware that some of our colleagues see professionalism as a negative concept, and I'm not... not denying that that's a valid perspective. So the medical professionals, for example, the surgeons in Sydney here went on strike for extra pay when they were already being very well paid. And the notion of professionalism, they were taking professional action, took on a rather negative power struggle identity. I see. And I wanted to counter that identity by saying professionalism is worth saving. It's the thing that we all aim for. All of Mm. us who are professionals aim to be a very good professional. Mm. The difficulty is, what does it mean to be a good professional? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So their take on professionalism was completely counter to how you think of professionalism. Yes, but it's not unusual. Okay. As soon as you run the, as soon as you raise the topic of professionalism, immediately people will give you examples of unprofessional behavior. Okay. This doctor was unprofessional in doing such and such. Mm-hmm. This lawyer was unprofessional in doing such and such. It's very easy to identify dishonesty or unprofessionalism. It's very difficult to identify ideal or um, aspirational or excellent professionalism. Mm. So that was the challenge. How do we define what it means to be a very good professional? How did you define it? Well, I, I think we had to be quite, um, well, 
two strands. One is nominating ideals. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? So we nominated, um, in our case, we nominated honesty and integrity, responsibility, uh, respect, uh, compassion, and those big words. Mm -hmm. And everybody agrees on those kinds of values. But the difficulty is, what do you mean by honesty? And there's a whole debate around, what do you mean by honesty? Mm -hmm. So what we did, the next step is then to define those big value statements in practical terms within the context of the particular course that we were running, which is a, an undergraduate medical program. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean for a first year student to be honest? We came up with a definition, or rather some behavioral and attitudinal attributes of what we expected of honesty in year one. What does it mean for a year five student to be honest? Different behavioral and attitudinal attributes. And they start to give the notion of honesty some definitional basis so that both the teachers and the students can be on the same page as to what it is that we're striving for here. Hmm. That's really interesting. So I sort of want to ask you what kinds of um, challenges you had to overcome in doing the, either presenting the training program or um, rolling out the program or writing the paper? Because it sounds like this would be quite a complex undertaking and that you'd have to actually tackle a few different levels of the institution. Yes, indeed. So the, the, uh, there were several steps to it. I was on staff at that medical school for, uh, for four years, mm -hmm. four and a half years. And my main project really was bringing this in. And then for the last of those, that period, time period, I was actually full-time as, um, as the chair of the professionalism task force. Ah. So I had the, um, I had the luxury of, of devoting my time to it. Mm. I formed a, a, a task force which included people from all the various specialties as well as the undergraduate teaching programs and so on. Mm -hmm. So we had anatomists and we had neurologists and, and uh, emergency medicine specialists and so on. Um, and the aim was to come up with a program that would work at each year, each phase of the course, and there were five years in the course, and would be, um, would be elements that could be inserted into the program, which is easier to do in years one and two, more difficult to do in the clinical years, with all of the ethics programs, actually. And... Um, Largely, what we did was to work with that small group and then all of the existing teaching committees, and there was a teaching committee for each year, the overall teaching curriculum committee, and the faculty as a whole. So it was a collaborative effort. And the, um, the main feature, especially in retrospect, the main feature of that, this whole project was collaboration. Mm. So what are the main uh, takeaway points or the sort of main uh, points of interest in your paper? What we did was to recognize that there are some grounding um, platforms of professionalism and they, they're pretty obvious. Like a, in medicine, a good professional has to have clinical competence. Mm -hmm. um, he, she also has to have the capacity to address ethical and legal issues that may arise in the practice of medicine. They also have to be effective communicators. And without those skills and capacities, you couldn't call yourself a decent doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but on top of that, we also expect them to be honest, um, to be responsible, to be respectful, to have good, to to be compassionate. 
and those are the harder ones to specify. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you could call them the, the, the values pillars, if you like, which stand on a platform of those other capacities I just spoke of. And then if you take the whole thing together, the, the capstone, you might call it, is professionalism. So professionalism includes a lot of different aspects. And, and if any of those aspects are missing, you've got somebody who's lacking in some of their professional capacities or, or values or abilities. Um, and then it was a matter of just making sure that we covered all of those, those, those issues. In the paper, what we said was that, um, that medical professionalism includes those various capacities. Mm-hmm. It includes broad values. Mm-hmm. That training programs should identify the particular behaviours and attitudes that are expected of medical students and trainees at each stage in order so that they can progress and that the, um, the rating tools, the way of assessing students and trainees should relate to those values, those behaviours and attitudes. So we all, we're all on the same page as to what it is that we're looking for. If we've agreed that honesty is displayed in year one as not plagiarising, we're on to it. Mm-hmm. If we've agreed that honesty at, in year four is being honest about whether you or not you've run the test that you said you ran, we're all on to it. Mm-hmm. So there's faculty agreement around that. But the, the major take-home message for me, as I said before, in retrospect, is that for the implementation of the program, there has to be an involvement of the whole faculty. Mm-hmm. It has to be a collaborative effort because we all have to be on side as to what it is that we're aiming for here. Yeah. So it ended up being a program for, this, for the students and trainees, but it also ends up being a faculty retraining program as mm-hmm. well. So it looks like one of the lingering um, challenges that you mentioned in the paper is um, getting your uh, clinicians who do clinical training on board with the rest of the faculty. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's perhaps always the biggest challenge because some of these, some of these uh, very, very busy clinicians who may only do one or two classes a year and they don't necessarily go to faculty meetings, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, one hopes that by osmosis you reach even the, the outer layers mm-hmm. of, the, of the faculty. Um, but nevertheless, that's something that is an ongoing challenge. Mm. But in writing up the paper, the, the hardest thing for me was that I'd already left medical school. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't enough to send a, uh, send a paper to a journal saying these are our curriculum plans. Mm-hmm. I knew that they wouldn't accept that. Mm-hmm. I needed to be able to say, and this is how it's worked. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get anybody to collaborate from a distance, so I actually went back to Singapore for, for a week, interviewed all the relevant people, um, including some of the, my original collaborators, and then we worked as a team in the write-up as well. So from beginning to end, this has been a collaborative project, which I'm actually quite proud of. I, I really do think that we've put something out there that's useful to other medical schools. They could apply it in their own way, yeah. write up their own definitions, for example. Mm-hmm. But we've laid out a model that is eminently um, adaptable and, and, and applicable. Mm-hmm. It certainly seems that way. It's interesting that you can get people to collaborate from afar. I find that very curious. Well, I didn't in the end, <laughs> partly because there was change of staff in the in the ethics center, and so in the end, I said, "Bugger it, I'm just going to go." <laughs> yeah. But I could get them to collaborate over a cup of coffee and meetings in person. Um, but 
the the biggest challenge was trying to do it from a distance. So I I, I jumped I jumped across. <laughs> yeah, that has interesting implications for how collaboration might go currently and in the future with our COVID nineteen restrictions. Indeed. Indeed. Is there anything else you'd like to wrap up with? What's the final pitch? I I think I've covered all the major points. Um, the main one about being clear about what we mean by professionalism and having a very good model to work from mm -hmm. and then putting it into practice collaboratively with the whole faculty, not just one department trying to teach something to other people who don't really necessarily relate to it. Absolutely. Getting that buy-in. Yes. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much for speaking with me, Paul. That was really interesting. A pleasure, Kate. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch the next She Research podcast wherever you find good She Research podcasts. Bye.